live from the Tag Team Podcast Arena it's the Tuesday Night Titans Season 1 Award Show with Jeff Jones and John Burke. Tonight they will be honoring the best and worst of 1984 WWF's Tuesday Night Titans. Here are your hosts Jeff Jones and John Burke. Greetings. You're looking nice tonight. I see you dressed up very dapperly for the event. Indeed. Indeed I did. Put on my best Sunday's dead man clothing from your local Goodwill slash Salvation Army. Yes. When you're doing an award show about 1984, you have to dress the period. So all clothes were provided by Goodwill. Who are you wearing? Not somebody stylishy, I'll tell you that. <laughs> But he did have a good snap-on tie. There you go. That's all that matters. I think that's what you need for an award show. You need a tie. I think that's what sets it over. This is true. Ties are very important. I just went with whatever fits and looks like from the period. I'm not as stressed as Stappardly, but still dressed nonetheless. I, mean, I tried to get to Andre the Giant's clothing, but I couldn't get in. <laughs> Looking for that Alfred oversized coat that he wears on the set there. Yes, exactly. Well, the traffic wasn't too bad getting in. So. No, thankfully, getting to the awards shows arena was not that bad at all i was very pleased yeah probably because the time of day i would think but i don't know maybe not but a lot of people knew about the event tickets were hard to come by i heard scalping was going rampant and prices were a little pricey i heard the same i think that we did good for ourselves we didn't have to see a scalper or anything no and they let us right in exactly it's like they knew we were we were on the list it was all good it's crazy well this is our first edition of the tuesday night titans award show first annual and annual maybe season I don't know. We might not get all this season two in one year. I was thinking annuals yearly, right? We're doing this every year? Well, every season, at least for TNT. So we got three of them to look forward to, and I don't know if we'll get to all the episodes in one year next season or not. There's a lot. Hey, we can do it. We just believe to achieve. What we have on the docket for our fellow listeners? Well, coming up first, we got to pay tribute to those we lost this year. And by this year, I, of course, mean... Future... 2017. We'll come back and honor the two legends of the business that we lost this year. Follow us on social media. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Tag Team Podcast. On Twitter, at Tag Team Podcast. On Google Plus, the Tag Team Podcast. Email us, at the Tag Team Podcast at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail on the tagline. 6016544 tag that's 6016544824 you can also listen on soundcloud by searching the tag team podcast so in 2017 we were honoring two of the legends and while we did lose some wrestlers as well i'm going to focus mostly on voice talent that we lost and that would of course be bobby the brain heaton and lance russell died within a month of each other pretty much and first we'll do bobby heaton do you have any memories of bobby heaton i think for me bobby heaton when i think of him i think of how sharp and quick he was how when he was in the ring he would make you think he was really going to get beat like really they were really going to smack him if he was just him and the his partner's opponent he would drag the referee in front or just beg for his life or if he could uh, was in a predicament he could find a way to roll under the ropes and take off that's what he did he made you feel like he was an actual victim even if he was an instigator or not or not an instigator also look back at his wrestling when he wrestled way back in the day his bumps that he took 
he knew how to take a wrestling bump and sell it. And then when he did a manager and he had to take a bump, he knew how to sell that. And I thought that was really good of him altogether. His character, his gimmick, everything I thought was good. And I don't think there's going to be a replacement for him. As far as what I'm seeing so far, anyway, anybody is quick. Like Jerry the King Lawler, I wish those two would have commentated. I think they would have been genius kind of going back and forth. I do have some quotes All right, go ahead. That, that I did like from Mom and the Brain Heaton. A friend in need is a pest. Did <laughs> like that one. And <laughs> all I know about cheating, I've had six very successful marriages. <laughs> then the other one, if you're poor and you do something stupid, you're nuts. If you're rich and you do something stupid, you're eccentric. Well played, Heaton. Well played. Oh, yeah. What about you? What do you have on the Heaton man? I got some stats here. He was born November 1st, 1944. Of course, he passed on September 17th, 2017. Lived for the ripe old age of 72. Mostly what cut his life short was when he was diagnosed in 2002 with throat cancer. He started with Dick the Bruiser and what we covered in Territory Talk, the World Wrestling Association. In 1965, he managed the Valiant Brothers. So, a little TNT shout out to Johnny Valiant, now a manager in TNT at this time in 84. And Angelo Poffo, better known as Randy's dad. Oh, yeah. And then he went to AWA in 1974, stayed there through 1984, and in that time he managed a bunch of people, but notably Nick Bockwinkle, Ray Stevens, Dick the Bruiser, and Dick the Bruiser was known for calling him Weasel. He's the one that got that started. You can kind of see the tie-ins with these people and TNT people, as probably who helped him get in with Vince, Ray Stevens, and coming over in that time frame. And then WWF, he was in there from 1984 to 93, and he did most of his commentating and a little less managing in 86 through 94. And then from there, he went to WCW from 1994 through 2000. Do you have any favorite moments or anything that you remember from Bobby the Brain Heenan from his announcing days? Anything that sticks out to you as a favorite moment? The first episode of Raw, when they come out, they actually locked him out of the Coliseum and he was trying to get in in various different ways with dressing like a woman, dressing like a old Jewish man, um, very clever and he was very witty of that and that's what really kind of drew me into him just as a person, as a character and then to hear him comment Tate on WCW Nitro the way he would go back and forth with Tony Schiavone and oh the Detroit Lions defensive guy Chicago Bears close enough yeah <laughs> they're both horrible Steve Mongo McMichaels yeah the Magellan guy yeah him. Um, the way that he would go back and forth I liked and then that kind of made me go back and kind of research his wrestling days and see how he would act and then actually see him transition into a manager and then of course you can go on YouTube and you know you can search for Bobby Heenan shoots and you can just hear everything his life growing up yep that's my memories him trying to get in Rawls Coliseum that episode of Raw remember that one well and my first exposure to him was primetime wrestling with Gorilla Monsoon the thing that eventually took over after TNT went off the air and I'd watch them on Tuesday nights on the USA Network and it's well documented those two had some great chemistry together but the clip that I brought to the table funny you should mention Tony Schiavone was from WCW Saturday Night and it was Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat from July 30th 1994. This was like two night battle. They recently fought in Spring Stampede 94 and this was kind of a sort of rematch even though it was several 
months later. Check this out as him and Tony Schiavone play off each other. The top hand that Steamboat's trying to pry off helps force the bottom hand along the bottom of the neck there, and thus the sleeper hold. Which is connected to the spine bone, which goes to the hip bone, which goes to the chin bone, to the arm. Would you settle down? The chant of Steamboat, I think the fans here pretty much divided as to who their favorite is. Yes, half love Flair, and the other half hates Steamboat. No, that's not it. Steamboat up top! And he took it on his knees. He landed on that left knee hard. Flair's got to know that. Tony, run and tell him that Steamboat has injured his left knee. I'll hold your headset. Give me a break. I'm staying right here, and you should too. Some of your marriages, Tony, haven't lasted this long. I've had only one, thank you. You're thinking of another announcer. Shot to Mean Gene there at the end. Classic Bobby Heenan. Ouch. Classic. Rest in peace, guy. (laughs) So next up on the dearly departed docket was Lance Russell. Lance died October 3rd, 2017. One of those timely deaths. He broke his hip and he had complications days after, but probably more his daughter passed away from cancer September 29th, so he was only a few days behind her. He was born a lot earlier because he was been around the business for a while. He was born March 18th, 1926. He basically was the voice of Memphis. He did calls for Memphis from 1950 to 1988, called matches for NWA Mid-America and mainly for Continental Wrestling Association. After he left Memphis for a little while, he was in WCW from 89 to 92, and he started there March 11th. He did episodes of NWA Worldwide Wrestling with Jim Ross and also worked with Bob Cottle and Gordon Soley. And he left in 93, occasionally calling matches that year. And later on, he might be on the network. I'm sure he probably is. I just hadn't got to any of those. But if you type in Lance Russell, he don't come up at all. But he did announce for Smoky Mountain Wrestling towards the end of their existence. So you might find him on the network if you watch some old Smoky Mountain that they have up there and the youtube clip that i found with him with bob Cottle, because i didn't remember him in wcw at all it was august 18th 1989 power hour nwa and it was cuban assassin versus rick flair so we'll put a clip of that on the website along with a clip from jeff's Remembrance of the first draw and mine for Bobby the Brain Heenan from WCW's Ric Flair and Steamboat match. Do you have any memories of Lance Russell? I have nothing on Lance Russell. Wasn't familiar with him because I was more of a mainstream guy, as you could say. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if you probably did watch some of his matches on NWA. And like I said, he was like the second man. And they didn't do too many shots of the announcers on the NWA uh, shows that he was on the Power Hour. It was basically just the match and you just hear the announcers. Sort of like what we get with TNT for the most part. They don't ever actually show the announcers that often. You could be right. Yeah, I'm sure you probably heard some. Uh, I did do research, but he didn't look familiar to me. Yeah, he definitely looks like your typical 
guy from that 80s old man type stuck in his ways of Memphis and stuff like that. This clip I got for Lance Russell, it is long, but to me it is hilarious. This is coming from Lance Russell. First you'll hear him introduce to his co-host that this match that was set up in an empty arena in Memphis between Lawler and Terry Funk, then they go into the actual clip of that. So it's me introducing a clip of him introducing a clip, but it's hilarious, especially him and Terry Funk, and Terry Funk just brings it all. Without further ado, Lance Russell. I think the, I think the tape may be a self-explanatory. Let's take a look at what I think I want to do is just, huh? Yeah, sure. That's okay. Yeah. I just, I just want to do an old opening in case this crazy thing comes off. And then if it does, we, you know, we've got something. If it doesn't, all we've lost is a, is a little time on it. So let's see. I guess we got enough light and everything. We can uh, we can pick it all down, and what we'll just you know I don't even know that they're either one of them going to show up. Yeah, okay. Pardon me. Let me get rid of the cigarette. Give me a countdown, will you? This is Lance Russell standing in the middle of an empty Mid South Coliseum. I think most wrestling fans know that Terry Funk, the former NWA World Heavyweight Champion issued a challenge to Jerry Lawler to meet man-to-man. Uh, of course, Funk had accused Lawler of having homer decisions uh, in his battles with uh, Terry Funk previously and with Brother Dory Funk Jr. and, and so forth. Uh, he said, no fans, no officials, no police, nobody, you and me. Uh, I guess you just have to call it what he's looking for as a shootout. He made the challenge asked me to deliver the challenge publicly so that it would be on record that he had challenged Lawler. Uh, Jerry Lawler uh, later said, set it up. And so here we are. We're in the Mid-South Coliseum, 11,300 empty seats. And that's all that will be here to witness this particular bout, with the exception of myself and cameraman Randy West. Funk asked that there be a camera and a tape crew here so that we would be able to have a record of his demolishing Lawler in the event that it takes place. It's right now 10 minutes to 1. The time that was set on it was 1 o'clock. Neither of the participants are here at this time. We will just have to wait and see. If it takes place, you'll have a record of it. If it doesn't, uh, then you will never see this. Um, let's just cut the... Cut the camera off now, Randy. We'll wait. If they show up, we'll do it, okay? Evelyn, here he comes. Here he comes. Yeah, okay, let's go on it. Coming into the Mid-South Coliseum now, it is now a couple of minutes past 1 o'clock. Uh, Terry Funk, who initially issued the challenge, is is coming into the Coliseum. And, yeah. I'm ready to wrestle. Where is Lawler? I told well, you that he... the didn't hey, have enough can... guts minute, to come on the... down here. I this... said oh, wait a second. that the man the... has everybody on his side. We man. would like to use this if it takes place later on, so please watch your language, will you? Because for crying out loud, we can't use a thing with you swearing like that. I don't give I came up here for a purpose to prove some thing 
And I'll tell you what I came to prove, that Lawler didn't have the guts. I knew that he wouldn't come in the ring, Lance. You tell me where he is. He wouldn't show up for nothing. It's just a little after 1 o'clock right now. So just watch it and please try to watch it. Get ring in and go ahead and count him out. I'm not counting. I'm not the referee in this thing. You asked me to bring a camera You count him out of the... Hey, come on, Terry. I told you people that Lawler did not have the guts to come down here before an empty arena, and he doesn't. Now you go ahead and count him out. If you don't, I'll count him out. All right. Well, you just ask us to bring the cameras down. That's what I did. We're here. Now you, I'm not I'm a referee. Here. I'm here. I know you're I'm going to go ahead. Is he under the ring, Lance? Oh, Is he's Lawler not under, under the, the ring? ring. He hasn't. Is he up in the stands? He, he hasn't. He hasn't shown up yet. In the press box. Where is he? He I don't know where he is. Guts to come down here and meet me in the ring. I'm going to count him out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's out. I'm going to go ahead and declare myself the winner right now. Okay, fine. That's great. The man was a coward. That he didn't have the guts. That he didn't have anything. He didn't have the intestinal fortitude. He is a. All right. Well, listen. Okay, you proved your point on the all thing. Your enough. All right. I've heard enough of your. I've heard enough from the people of Memphis. I've heard enough about how good this man is supposed to be. Well, you oh, it's just a little. He may have gotten tied up it's in traffic or something like it's that. I don't know. Right now. Yeah, I know it's after one. Now I'm standing around here like an idiot, like a fool. Well, I'm a you, fool. you. I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. Stand okay, around. so you proved your point. This kind of crap is funny. He thinks it's funny leaving me sitting around here like this. I knew that the man didn't have enough guts to get up here in the first place. Yeah. You tell me. I tell you that there's a good possibility that he got tied up some way and wasn't coming in here. Well, where am I? I know your plane oh, got in on time. I understand that, Harry. Yeah, I know that. Why don't you go ahead? Why don't you think this through? You're on his side all the time. Hey. Why don't you go ahead and come up in here? I'd I'm like to not. Have a listen, no, I'm not I'd interested in that. I'd like to have a little practice. Will you, you knock that stuff off? I'd like that. to have. Look, you're the one you that. Hey, hey, come on. Okay, now look, Terry. You asked me I'm to come down here. I'm a professional and an athlete, and you treat me with hey, respect. Hey, well, wait. Just, I you didn't. Treat me with okay, respect. I didn't. I wasn't meaning anything personal by it, except give the guy a chance. It's just a couple of minutes past the time. You asked me to come down here and bring the cameraman down here, and we're here. And I'm here in the event that Lawler, we set up to show it and, and have the match in there. Now, we've done our part of the thing, and the fact that he's not here isn't my well, fault. Now, look who's here. There, over here, well, Randy. Now, look who's there. Well, if it isn't a clown. Okay, I'm going to get over here and get. I'm going to get. Hey, Lawler, come on up here. I'm going to break your crown. I'm going to break his crown, Lance. Look at that fool! Look at that idiot! Don't you realize that there's nobody here? You jackass! Lance Russell, everybody. Rest in peace, boy. Wow. <laughs> Terry Funk, everybody. They used it anyway. Yeah. Those are the good old days. Let me put my cigarette down. When it was okay to smoke and drink and it's yep, normal. Yep, show it on TV, whatever. Let's going to try this and let's see it on TV. No, definitely not. That was the Funkin' Lawler Empty Arena match, April 25th, 1981. Our awards after this...
Hi, I am Bosley and I am here with Hulk Hogan. Hulk, thanks for being part of this promo for the new Tag Team Podcast Shop campaign. Sure, no problem. For each shirt or item sold, a portion goes to the Tag Team Podcast to help fund the web bandwidth cost. We have shirts starting at $24.49. Wow, that's unbelievable. If you sold all those shirts, where's my percentage? Hulk, you don't get a percentage. Some of the money goes to the Tag Team Podcast since they are their shirts. Those are my shirts. I've got a right to sell them. Do you want to cash me outside how about that? That's not what I want. Look man, I made a mistake. I apologize. I was a real horse's ass. That's what I thought. To visit the Tag Team Pod Shop, go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the Tag Team Pod Shop, all one word, or click on the link in the description of this podcast or on the side of the web page. Do it, brother. I guess I blew that one. It's okay, Hulk. Our listening audience are used to it. That's for damn sure. And to start off the award, we're going to do what Whitney Houston suggested and save the best for last. And first up, we're going to have Worst of. Ooh. Yes, the worst of the worst. Now, is the worst always the quote-unquote heel, or will it be an even, everybody's bad? I guess it just depends on how you feel about these wrestlers, because some of these are definitely heels, and some of them are, you just shouldn't be on live television, you're not ready. Fair enough. Let's do this the worst that we can. (laughs) Here we go. And our first category is Worst Cook. And there was only one of these, so there are no nominees. Episode 15, Renee Grenette's Wife. Worst Cook. So bad that they couldn't even show what she ended up making, if anything. Just, hmm, your cape, Suzette, was very good. I believe they had technical difficulties with the burner. Either didn't know how to turn it on or it wasn't working. It's not hot. Yeah. I guess she had that going for her. Yes. We'll have pictures of all of our nominees on there and you can see her face. This was before the burner was bad. She didn't know what she was doing. She had no clue. I don't know who makes it at home, but I don't think it's her. Next up. Worst dress. Who do you got for that? Worst dressed. And you think we are worst dressed here with my Goodwill suit. Incorrect. (laughs) We have selected three nominees for this category. First off, we have Jimmy Snuka. He comes in the TNT set with a long shirt, and I hope it's his wrestling trunks because we don't know. It's more of a long shirt and his headband. Keeps you guessing. We don't know. We don't want to know. Yeah, at some point I was going to say I didn't really want to know. <laughs> And next up, we have Don Morocco. He is styling his beautiful Hawaiian shirt, khaki pants, cool sunglasses, and thong flip-flops with bare feet. Listeners, thong flip-flops were made for girls with feet, not men. (laughs) Don't ever do that, please. Ever. And next, my favorite, Spooler. I voted for the Spooler myself because he has his very nice, classy shirt tucked in, has his nice khakis, and he has his famous mask on, which he never leaves home without it. That is his Visa calling card. True story. And the winner we chose was Jimmy Snuka. Next up, we have Worst Interview. Unfortunately, this was a lengthy category because every episode of TNT had interviews, but only some could be the worst. (laughs) First nominee is Jimmy Snuka, Episode 3. And we all remember that one from our review 
he wasn't answering the questions. At some point, it got so bad, Vince just starts to talk about Jimmy to Lord Alfred and acts like Jimmy's not even there. Next up, Salvatore Palumbo, episode two. He needed to speak up, speak up. And in 10, they just said, forget this. I'm going to say on live television, Salvatore, speak up. We can't hear you. How embarrassing. Yeah, really. Next, we have Mr. Worldwide Wrestling Federation, the WWWF himself, Johnny Valant, manager for Brutus Barber Beefcake from episode 13. The next nominee, Tony Atlas, who would not stop talking and Vince just had to cut off at some point. Let's go to your match. And that was episode 15. Wendy Richter, she was in episode 5 and 9. I think maybe hers was more so them gawking at her the whole time and not really asking great questions, but nonetheless, she's up there. Iron Sheik with his laid-back approach to interviewing and just lying down and hard to understand. Not really his fault on that part, but just wasn't a great interview style, really. Episode 11, by our three-time nominee for episode 1, 8, and 10, Mr. Cheeto Tito Santana. His interviews were usually pretty short. Most of the time he was there promoting something as far as an injury, a surgery that he had, being America's favorite wrestler, or just disagreeing with the previous person they had on there before. And he was the only one they showed on there that lost a match as far as a big name. Next nominee, Tiger Chung Lee. He was nominated because of broken English pretty much. And it was kind of a struggle of an interview and they made a little bit too lengthy on their part to interview a guy that doesn't speak English very well. And the winner is Salvatore Palumbo. Palumbo. Congratulations, Salvatore. Still on my boat. I too would like my boat. Next, worst commentator. And there can only be one. <laughs> and we had to cancel out the moments of silence. We still don't know if that's real technical difficulty or just poor commentary. But we canceled those out. And we went with Patty Pat Patterson from his Chief Strongbow versus Tony Russo from Episode 7. And this lovely commentary. You know, Vince, uh, Jay Strongbow is a fantastic golfer. A lot of people may not know that, but... Uh... He is, uh, plays as good as a pro. If he had more time, he would be, uh, he would be traveling with the pros on the golf course, but he prefers wrestling. That's his whole life. Well, like the vast majority of pro wrestlers, they are multi-talented. Pat, you uh, also play some golf time to time, do you not? Well, I try at it. I like to the exercise on the golf course, chasing the ball, looking for it. <laughs> Now, whether Do you it's pack the, your lunch? Do you have a picnic? Uh, when you well, sometimes I should. <laughs> Looking for the ball either in the rough or in the sand trap. I assume you give up on the water hazard. I just let it go. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a wrestling match going on. Maybe we should commentate on that and try to build these guys up. Now, let's talk about golf. I wonder if avoiding the water trap is code for anything. Could possibly be. We won't go there. And congratulations, Pat Patterson. And when we come back, the best of the best from season one of TNT. And now that we've taken care of the worst, let's honor some of the best of the best from Tuesday Night Titans season one. The best best. Best of the best. Starting off with one of the many themes of Tuesday Night Titans, we had either cooking, dancing, or some type of cultural thing. And for this first category, it is cooking. For best cook. 
Episode 1, Wild Samoans, Fish Head Soup, Episode 3, Ivan Putski, Polish Cuisine, Episode 8, Tito Santana, Mexican Cuisine, Episode 9, Hulk Hogan, Protein Shake, Episode 10, Salvatore Bellamo, Italian Cuisine, Episode 12, Tonga Kid, Polynesian Luol, Episode 13, Junkyard Dog, Soul Food, Episode 15, Rene Goulet's Wife Birette, Crepe Suzette. Well, we can axe one of those off already. Or can we? Could she possibly take the gamut and run Best Cook and Worst Cook at the same time? I hope so. That'd be a first for our first. Yes, first time ever. Well, we know everyone's on pins and needles. And the award goes... 2. Episode 10, Boatman Salvatore Bellamo. Boatman! Holy moly. Yes, Boatman finally wins something that's not worst. So he did run a gamut. I did not see that at all. Well, in all fairness, let's go through these. All right. Samoans. Yes. Cook their own food. Was it really food? Debatable. Putski. Cook his own food. No. Blumbo. Cook his own food. Yes. JYD. Cook his own food. No. Renee's wife. Cook her own food. Debatable. We never saw it. Hulk Hogan. Made his own protein shake. Didn't really cook. Tito Santana. Cook his own food. No. Tonga Kid. Cook his own food. No. By default, Salvatore Blumbo. All right, see what you did there. They're odd to be nominated. They cooked, air quotes, but only one cooked. True. They did actually cook. So I, I see what you did there. And there were some bloopers in that one. So if anyone wants to go back and see the award-winning Salvatore Blumbo for best cook, episode 10, people. Hilarious bloopers. Not the episode where him and Big John Stud were in the same no, episode. Not episode two. Unless you want to watch some boats and see how he got his name. <laughs> and the fact that he's trashing the WWF magazine. <laughs> yep, just pulling it apart. All right, moving on to the next category. We have best dressed. For best dressed, Lord Alfred Hayes, episode three. Paul Orndorff, episode 15. Jesse the Body Ventura, Episode 3. Lord Alfred Hayes and his stunning blazer, as he always wears, and his famous bow tie. Next up, we have Paul Orndorff and his stunning red trousers, question mark, and striped 80s shirt, which is wonderful. And we have Jesse the Body Ventura and his awesome, still stuck in the 70s slash 80s satire and his hair. Definitely still in the 70s. And the award goes to Alfred Hayes, Episode 3. Good Alfred Hayes! Had to. He had to dress up for every one of these damn episodes. The other people just had, Jesse had two and Paul had, I guess, two in a way. One was a vignette. I really think Alfred had the unfair advantage because he is British. Yes, it does give a little more class to the outfit no matter what he chooses. And he is an actual lord over there. So I think that is a thing of prestige that he has to carry. So he has to keep that up. So congratulations, Alfred. R.I.P. R.I.P. All right. Our next category we have is Most Annoying Guest. 
For most annoying guests the nominees are Lua Abano Episode 14 Lloyd Lynch Episode 14 I believe we have some sound. First up, your favorite mine, Lou Albano. As a youngster, I really, I really got um, started in sports, and it was it was my life. You know, I, I lived for it, trained for it. Why don't you, Jim Landis? I'm sorry for the interruptions. I really am unfortunate. Very one time experienced the same thing. We will simply ignore that. Always a welcome guest on the TNT show. Yes, Lou Albano. <laughs> Love him. And the next is Lloyd Lynch, the oldest wrestling fan. They had wrestling and cut and shoot Texas. Oh. I guess it really is universal, isn't it? Oh, we got it all down there in cut and shoot. <laughs> well, maybe you do. Well, I'll know. tell you, there's one heck of a good. If you could remember... Lloyd Lynch, everybody. And the award goes to... Lou Albano, episode 14. Lou Albano. I think Lloyd Lynch actually fell asleep. He couldn't make it here today. So we decided that Lou Albano wins this award. Congratulations. Doesn't sound like the audience is pleased with that decision. Well, we can't please everybody, I don't guess. This is true. But I guess the next category may bring the audience a little more joy to their black, cold hearts. Because the next category is Best Singer. For Best Singer, the nominees are Vince McMahon, Episode 4 Paul Vashon, Episode 4 Nikolai Volkov, Episode 9 Andre the Giant, Episode 14 First up, we have Vince McMahon and next we have Paul Vachon. Many years ago, my mama sang this song to me in words so soft and low. Just a simple little ditty in a good old Irish way, and I'd give the word. Next up, we have Nikolai Volkov. Finally, we have your favorite giant and mine, Andre the Giant. Okay. Keep going. And the award goes to Paul Vashon, Episode 4. 
Sean carries away the award just like he carried that tune. It was phenomenal, for sure. No, Andre the Giant had my vote. But congratulations, Paul. I was a little worried about Vince McMahon. Didn't really get to hear too much of him there. That's probably why I didn't make the cut for the network, but was on 24-7. They learned from their mistakes and cut them out. We still got it. If you need a link, just hit us up. The Tag Team Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Next up. Next up. Botched Moves. And the nominees are for Best Botched Move Brian Blair Paul Orndorff, Over the Top Rope Sunset Slip, Episode 1. The Spoiler Nick DiCarlo, Invisible in Mind, Episode 14. The Spoiler Billy Travis, Top Rope Racking, Episode 15. Barry Windham Moon Dog Rex, Over the Top Rope Spill, Episode 17. Jesse Ventura Ivan Putsky, Exploding Turnbuckle, Episode 17. So all these will be on our website on Facebook. So if you want to check them out, you can. If not, let me do a little commentary for you. So Brian Blair and Paul Orndorff, we have a sunset flip. And Blair is barely not even clearing the rope. So Paul has to help him over to be able to get the sunset flip going. And then the next one is basically all episode 17 from here. We have Barry Windham over the top rope spill. He acts a little bit too much for the bump that he took from Moondog Rex and takes his tumble over the ropes and goes into the, at the time, metal guardrails he used to have back in the day. And then we also have the spoiler. He gets racked in the top and that's kind of self-explanatory. He goes right between his legs on the top ropes. He's trying to walk the ropes like the Undertaker does and he ends up slipping and getting racked on him. And also we got the spoiler again for Nick DiCarlo and gets thrown into the back there. Nick DiCarlo does and he acts like he just takes a bump like four seconds too late. It looks like he stepped on something and exploded on him. So that's the the one for the spoiler, Nick DiCarlo. And then the last one, episode 17, Jesse Ventura. And same kind of situation. He gets thrown into the turnbuckle and takes a four, three second delay and then acts like he got slammed out of the turnbuckle harder than he did. And it looks like it exploded on him. And the award goes to episode 15, the spoiler, Billy Travis, top rope racking. Can't get past the top ropes, man. That's guaranteed winner every time. Nothing like tossing around the family jewels a couple times to figure out she did something wrong. Exactly. America's Funniest Home Videos or any other place, it's an award winner. I think this was before. Yeah, set the tone. Next up, best one-liner. For best one-liner, the nominees are Freddie Blassie, episode 12 Bobby Heenan, episode 11 Lou Abano First up, we have Freddie Blassie and his epic answer to a question to a lovelorn watcher. Practicing hold, Mr. Blassie. I mean, that's that's not really uh, uh, anything that uh, a gentleman should do to a lady. Practice rustling holds? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. My second wife, I used to practice string holds on her all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. Next, we have the remembered Bobby Heenan, also with a lovelorn segment. You know, that's a pretty fair number when you're up there in age like that. 
I would say the advice to her would be to uh, probably hop out of that rocker, probably rip off that wool shawl she's wearing, take the <laughs> bun out of her hair, get the corrective hose off, and maybe put some nice cologne on. You know, you ever heard of Evening in Paris? Evening in Paris? Cologne? Well, she's probably wearing like an afternoon in the Bronx. That's a rough, that's a rough day. Brooklyn Brawler takes offense to that statement. <laughs> and our last nominee again, which is Lou Albano. I did have superfly Jimmy Snooker, but the man has got the brain of a dehydrated BB. If you put his brain in a parakeet, parakeet fly backwards. Ouch. And the award goes to Lou Albano. Lou Albano, this flying backwards bird. I can't tell if you're saying boo or Lou. I don't know. Well, I guess we can please everybody, I don't guess. No, I definitely do not think so, especially when Lou Albano is involved. Next category we have is the best reoccurring guest. For best recurring guest, the nominees are Freddie Blasey, Episode 2, Episode 8, Episode 12, Captain Lou. Episode 3 Episode 4 Episode 14 Episode 17 Salvatore Bellomo Episode 2 Episode 3 Episode 10 Big John Stud Episode 2 Episode 12 First up, we have Freddie Blassie coming in on episode number two, episode number eight, and episode number 12. We always love having Freddie by the studio. Either he's talking about his pinky rocks or he is promoting one of his wrestlers. It's always a treat for him to stop by. We have, once again, Captain Luke. He has reoccurred in episode number one, episode number three, episode number four, episode number 14, and episode number 17. Yes, he's there a lot. He is, to quote Jim Cornette, how can we miss you if you don't go away? <laughs> but Captain Lou's always fun to have around the studio, whether he is being rude, which he claimed the gold for, or promoting some of his wrestlers as well. And our next nominee we have is Salvatore. He has come in on episode two, episode three, and also on episode 10. We always love it when Salvatore comes by. He does show off his boat making skills. And also, he's always good to yell at when he doesn't speak up so well. And our final nominee is Big John Studd. Big John Studd is always interesting character to have on. Can't miss him. He first come on challenging Andre the Giant to a wrestling match. And also had a body slam bounty put on his own head for anybody that could body slam him. And also... On episode 12, which he appeared, there was a bit of a weightlifting record that he was trying to break. And controversy on that? Back and listen to episode 12 and you'll see what we mean. And the award goes to Boatman Salvatore Bellamo. Salvatore Bellamo. He is really sweeping up this award show. Telling you he's going to get his awards and sell away. Congratulations, Salvatore. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next category we have is the People's Jobber. John, do you want to give a brief description of what a jobber is for the listeners that may not be down? A jobber. Enhancement talent. Sunshine stars. These are the people that make the wrestlers look good. Up until really the Monday Night Wars started really getting hot and heavy, you would still have your main show 
shows with a jobber and talent that you knew and the talent that you knew unless it was a rare super rare occasion would always win so it was not really a question of who's going to win this match i wonder between ron shaw and big john stud it was i wonder how fast this is going to be these are the guys that make your other guys look good and sometimes win matches but when they face guys and they win matches those other guys are either in the doghouse or really people you've never heard of or also the guy that's already in the ring jobber yeah the guy that gets no introduction uses his real name no theme music 84 hardly anyone had theme music but these guys didn't have it even after that and in some cases every once in a while they might get their own action figure steve jones for the people's jobber the nominees are ron shaw episode 2 episode 3 episode 12 nick DiCarlo, episode 14 episode 15 charlie fulton episode 13 episode 14 ted grizzly episode 12 episode 14 billy travis episode 1 episode 2 episode 8 episode 11 episode 13 episode 15 steve lombardi episode 6 episode 11 alexis smirnoff episode 6 Episode 11, Episode 13. Oof. And the award goes to Ron Shaw. Ron Shaw. Congratulations, buddy. You finally won something. Congratulations, Ron. You did it. Go, <laughs> Adrian. You did it finally. And it's not an enhancement award either. It's a real award. <laughs> and next up, we have favorite missed segment. Now, I'm not sure how it's a favorite. If we missed it, I'll let you be the judge. And the nominees are for favorite missed segment. Kamala, Joe Friday and Fred Blassie join the TNT set live chicken eating, episode 8. JYD shows Vince and Alfred how to break dance, episode 13. Vince McMahon and Johnny Valiant sing Blue Suede Shoes, Episode 14. WWF 1985 Calendar Commercial, Episode 14. Cindy Lauper Music Video Money Changes Everything, Episode 17. These were very hard to pick since we saw zero of them. Whenever we look up TNT shows, sometimes these would be on the actual original episodes, so we knew they existed. So they were hard to pick, but we were finally able to narrow it down. And the award goes to... We don't know! Just kidding. Episode 8, Kamala, Joe Friday, and Fred Blasey, Live Chicken Eating. Not shown for obvious reasons, probably. PETA? Yeah, so they claim technical difficulties. PETA doing stuff <laughs> to the studio, I imagine. I kind of wonder if that ever really made it to air. I think it did. I don't know how else people would know to put it on their recorded VHS tapes of episodes and segments on that episode. But, hmm. alas, it's long lost, at least for now. It's not on YouTube land, and there's no record of it on 24-7 back in the day or the WWE Network, so we might never get to see it. But if we did, it would probably be our favorite segment oh definitely <laughs> next up one of our other themes that keep going on with tnt when we're not cooking we're dancing and the nominees are for best dance mr fuji's geisha dancing episode two ivan putski's polish polka episode three roddy piper's scottish dancing episode five chief strongbow's powwow episode seven Tito Santana's Mexican Dancers, Episode 8, 
Tonga Kids Luau, Episode 12. Black Jack Mulligan Square Dancing, Episode 14. Rene Goulet's French Dancers, Episode 15. And the award goes, to, Episode 12, Tonga Kids, Luau Segment. That was hands down the easiest one to come up with. You got eight halfly dressed, scantily clad women. You're going to win every time. Seems to be the theme nowadays. Yes. Half naked women, thousand views. Up next, the best interview. And the nominees are for best interview Dr. D. David Schultz, Episode 1. Mr. Fuji, Episode 2. Freddie Blasi, Episode 2 and 12. Jesse Ventura, Episode 3 and 17. Bobby Heenan, Episode 11. Very strong category there, so we had to narrow down people because every episode of TNT had a ton of interviews, so we did the best of the best. Because only the best will do. And the award goes to Episode 1, Dr. D. David Schultz. And why Dr. D. couldn't be here, he did leave a message. We said you won, and here's what he told us. You can have it. You can keep it. I'll autograph it for you later on. We're looking forward to that autographed award. Well, about time. I was waiting on him. Kind of sucks he didn't show up. Yeah, something about he's sick and tired of everything and everyone. I don't know. <sighs> oh, David. Yeah. All right, and that comes to our final category of the night, ladies and gentlemen. The most totally 80s moment. For most totally 80s moment the nominees are Roddy Piper in Cindy's Recording Studio Sunglasses Gum Moment Episode 4 Tito Santana Sunglasses in Hospital Surgery Episode 12 It's Your Turnly High Valley Daytime Talk Show Episode 1 To help give you guys a visualization of the moment we're referring to, Roddy Piper and Cindy's recording studio, sunglasses, and bubble gum. We have Roddy Roddy Piper going to the recording studio of Cindy Lopper, and once we enter the studio, everybody has sunglasses on and chewing bubble gum inside the studio. No sun, no lights, <laughs> just bubble gum. Bubble gum probably provided by Roddy Roddy Piper because when he's not all out of gum, he doesn't have to kick anyone's ass. Next up, we have John. John's favorite wrestler, Tito Santana, with the sunglasses in the hospital when he's having knee surgery. Now, this was kind of strange because I've had surgery, as mentioned before, and I've never had got to keep my sunglasses on or even my shoes. But oddly enough, he was able to keep his cool 80 shades on. But Eva. have to be America's favorite wrestler. Ever. <laughs> and finally, we have It's Your Turn with Lehigh Valley. This was a daytime talk show that exposed the bad business of wrestling. It had wrestlers on there ranging from Sergeant Slaughter to Vince McMahon to Fred Blassie to Roddy Piper. It was the next Bill Donahue, those that remember. Bill Donahue. Rest in peace. I don't know, he might still be alive. And the award goes to 
Roddy Piper in Cindy's recording studio sunglasses gum moment. Roddy Piper in Cindy's recording studio sunglasses chewing bubble gum moment. Very 80s laugh. I like it. Yes. Congratulations, Piper. Yes. Congratulations. Rest in peace. And if they ever let you back on the set, maybe we could see you again. With sunglasses and chewing gum. Definitely. Well, John, we made it through a season of Tuesday Night Titans. They said it couldn't be done. And it's done. Done, done, done. For all five people to get that. <laughs> yes, we did. It was painful. We hope people enjoyed the ride that bared it out from episode one to, I guess this is technically 22. There were some audio issues. That first show was rough. Very much rough. A lot of editing. A lot of enhancing. Learning the ropes, as to say. We got better for the most part. A couple audio issues every once in a while. But hopefully we got all that straightened out and we will keep on trucking on into season two 1985 tuesday night titans yes john gets all the credit for everything that you hear so be sure to thank him whenever you see him unless it sounds bad then i totally didn't do that and that was bosley we gave the night off i didn't notice he wasn't here there's so many people here though there is we would read you the list but that would be another podcast yeah now do you have any thoughts or anything for the future of 85 what you look forward to seeing back to the future heard that was pretty good looking forward to seeing that chicago bears have big money on them to win the super bowl that's really about it maybe we'll see some new wrestlers on tnt and get rid of some old ones that is what i look forward to maybe more well-known wrestlers and kind of bring it into the We are hitting peak in the 80s, at least, starting that roller coaster climb up to the top. So a lot more recognition, a lot more closed-circuit TV, a.k.a. pay-per-views coming up in 85. Some national media coverage with some NBC Saturday Night Live hosting spots, rock and wrestling, full swing and MTV land. So should be a lot coming up. Yes, now's a good time to let you in on my Chief J Strongbone that I promised you a while back ago. The shocking news of Chief Strongbone is... It's not an Indian. <gasps> Blasphemy. He's Italian. Oh, yeah. Next thing you're going to tell me, Nikolai Volkov isn't Russian. He's more Russian than some. More Russian than Chief Strongbow? Definitely more Russian than Chief Strongbow. Okay. What you have to look forward to in season two, and if you want to go back and listen to season one, is we're now on Alexa. Alexa, open any pod. Any pod at your service. Ask me to play a podcast. Play the tag team podcast. Now playing the tag team podcast. Basically, you just say open any pod. It'll give you a little spill about any pod, how it works. And then you say play the tag team podcast. And you will hear us. Latest episode plays for First, if you want to play a different one, you have to tell that beforehand. Play episode one or whatever. We're also in TuneIn now, so the TuneIn app, if anyone listens through that or other stuff, you can find us there as well. Also, Podcast Addict, we are there. I think pretty much anything that you can search for podcasts, you can probably find us. Pretty much. Uh, another only one that we're not on is iHeart because you have to be through Apple to get to that. And yeah, I don't do Apple phone, so I don't have any Apple stuff going on. Yep, just for you rebels out there. We'll be back. In season two, everybody subscribe and you'll have a better accurate date of when we restart back. But right now we're shooting for February, March, somewhere around there. Or season two releasing on all the podcasts for TNT, 1985. Well, I guess it's time to wrap up this award uh, show and go to the after party. You're here. Thank you for listening to the Tag Team Podcast Season 1 Award Show. Special thanks to all those that downloaded and listened to every show. 
Mega thanks to those that followed along on the Tag Team Podcast Facebook page and left a review and rating on Apple Podcast. Ultimate thanks to all that bought a t-shirt to help find the cost of the bandwidth for the show. Be sure to subscribe to join Jeff and John next in Season 2 as they continue to break down 1985 WWF's Tuesday Night Titans. <laughs>